that sometimes take certain medications to help you help wean yourself off of certain drugs. And once the initial uh, detoxification is complete, then um, psychosis uh, should not be an issue. However, sometimes it is. So that's where you go back to the reassessment. I'm Leon Guidry, and this is the Brother Be Well podcast, sponsored by Blue Shield of California's Blue Sky Initiative. Today, we're addressing trauma and healing with an emphasis on boys and men of color. It's about to get real with our hosts, experts, and guests. Gather around, y'all. Hi, I'm Michael P. Coleman, content director for Brother Be Well. Today, in one of our conversations in our Parents and Caregivers series, made possible by the support of Blue Shield of California's Blue Sky Initiative, we're talking about the intersections between substance abuse and mental health. My partner for today's conversation, marriage and family therapist and Brother Be Well clinical advisor, Christian Jacobs. Christian, I look forward to every opportunity to talk to you. Welcome back to Brother Be Well. Hi, Michael. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Really good, man. Let's get right on into this, if you don't mind. Overcoming, as you well know, overcoming mental health conditions and substance abuse separately can be formidable challenges for individuals and families. But when you overlay one with the other, it can be a bit of a a perfect storm, for lack of a better term. Can you please tell us about the ways in which substance abuse can and often does affect mental health? Yeah, well, you know, this whole concept, um, first, I think it's, first of all, I think it's important that we address that there's a a common misunderstanding um, that substance use and mental health are distant cousins, right? So they're separate. Even in our um, our public health system and our mental health delivery system, they separate them. They, you know, and things are changing now. But you know, if you have a mental health condition, they send you to this clinic. They send you to this outpatient department. It's billed totally different. If you have a substance abuse uh, issue, you are sometimes denied mental health services or are sent to a different location to treat that. So there, uh, people see them as distant cousins, when in reality, they're brother and sister. You know, uh, certain illegal drugs really, you know, uh, cause people with an addiction to experience one or more symptoms of a mental health problem. So mental health problems uh, can sometimes lead to like alcohol or drug use, uh, as some people with a mental health problem may misuse these substances too, you know, as a form of self-medication. So that's very common. And really, you know, mental uh, mental health and substance use disorders share some underlying causes, including, you know, changes in the brain composition. So um, for someone who's addicted to a medication or alcohol, that changes their brain um, composition, the, the size of the brain, um, the, the plasticity of the brain. And uh, as a result, sometimes those genetic vulnerabilities or early exposure to stress and trauma, you know, have have an impact as well. So, you know, there's also, um, I should have said this first, but there's also a cultural aspect where, and some drugs, you know, are considered hard, right? We call them hard drugs. And certain cultures and communities are not really hard drugs. And some drugs are more acceptable than others. So you may um, grow up in an area where an affluent uh, neighborhood where, you know, cocaine may be used more frequently, where, you know, it's more affordable. So there's different ways um, uh, in cultural aspects in terms of that question as well. It's not always, you know, you're, 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 we're right. We're tracking as we always do, Christian, because you talked about drugs that, that are more accessible. It's not always those hard drugs that can cause the problems alcohol right and at least here in california cannabis or marijuana they're both their cannabis is legal here in california those are recreational drugs and it's important that we know that we're talking about these as well are there other of those recreational substances that you can think of that should be on our radar as well um i think for the sake of managing you know uh we're looking your mental health it's it's really 
wise to be, you know, cognizant of, you know, um, all those drugs, you know, whether they're recreational or illegal, because at the end of the day, you know, um, it alters your mind state. So that's that, that's what it really comes down to. It's like, how does it alter your mind state? And that's one because substances, whether we're talking, you know, about things that are necessarily seen as a drug, you know, recreational, you know, or legal, right? For that matter, someone who experiences severity, anxiety related issues, and they're taking high amounts of caffeine, which is, you know, not considered a drug in some cultures. Caffeine is considered a drug, certain uh, religious uh, institutes. So, um, you know, some that can raise, you know, that those natural effects of sometimes THC and, and caffeine can make someone already who's already anxious, a little more anxious. So, so people should really to try and be, become aware of the natural side effects of a recreational drugs and some of the mood altering implications, you know, um, a drug may cause, uh, for example, like one who experiences psychosis, right? So if you have audio and visual hallucinations, you're experiencing, you know, these hallucinations without drugs and you decide to use a recreational drugs like shrooms, for example, um, that basically has, they're known for uh, causing psychedelic side effects, you know, that's where the issue comes into play. Um, on the other hand, someone, um, know it's a hard drug and not really recreational like fentanyl, Fentanyl, for example, those are also potentials where hard drugs can be really mixed into some recreational drugs. So there's a lot to look out for when you talk about um, which drugs are, you know, um, more have more impact on your mental health than not. It sounds like it. It sounds like we got to be vigilant and keep an eye on all of those substances that, that can and often do come into our lives. You touched on, I believe a second ago, drug-induced psychosis. So I want to uh, get it right into that. It's also called stimulant psychosis. And it's very, very real, I've learned. Can you please tell us about it, Christian? Well, you know, a, a drug a drug-induced psychosis occurs when basically someone uses drugs that possesses a mood-altering agent, such as, you know, weed, uh, cocaine, alcohol, methamphetamine, um, and a person experiences these psych um, psychedelic, um, sometimes hallucinates, and, you know, these depressive symptoms and these anxiety symptoms um, that makes an existing mental health condition a little worse. So it exacerbates it, really. And then you get into the clinical aspect, you're trying to find out what came first, the chicken or the egg. You know, was are you having psychosis because of the drugs or because you're, you know, you're, um, you're experiencing other uh, mental health conditions? Uh, so, yeah, that issue, that issue as well. So drug-induced psychosis is often a feature of dual diagnosis. I'm not sure um, if that's been talked about yet, but a dual diagnosis which is a co-occurring, these mental health and substance use disorders, it's actually a diagnosis. So if someone comes in the clinic and they, you know, say, hey, I'm, experiencing, I'm experiencing schizophrenia and um, I, I drink alcohol, you know, um, four times a day, maybe a pint a day, but now you're looking at a potential drug-induced mental health condition. So that drug is the reason why that condition is happening. What are some of the other drugs? I'm, I'm just listening to you and soaking it all up, Christian. What are some of the other uh, specific drugs that can cause delusions or trigger those underlying mental health problems that we've been talking about? Yeah, well, well many drugs can cause psychotic symptoms, um, including some prescriptions, you know, actually, you know, however, the substances that most frequently result in psychotic symptoms include you know, alcohol, which is a depressant, um, stimulants and uh, hallucinogens. So you have, uh, and we, we talked about before, the, the mushrooms that's, uh, that, uh, that cause you to hallucinate um, and have audio and visual hallucinations as well. And so that's actually, um, there's a T, basically THC, looking at that, that THC strain, whether it's sativa or indica, it can be a stimulant or a depressant. So 
back in the day, you know, weed or THC was seen as, you know, a uh, depressant because that was the main, you know, um, symptom, you know, lazy, you know, don't want to do anything. Uh, people had, you know, depressing symptoms. But now as we're getting more into the science and seeing the sativa, the strain of weed is much more um, impacts the brain psychologically than indica. Now, you know, sativa can be seen as a stimulant and indica as a depressant. So that's another example of a drug that could be both. Um, meth and cocaine, that's also um, that's a stimulant. Uh, mushrooms and LSD are also known to have a, a hallucinatory side effects as well. So as you see, um, most of these drugs can either, you know, have give you this um, this euphoric feeling or depressive feeling. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you the, the, the opposite question, the flip side of that question. What are some of the very specific mental health conditions that can be complicated by some of these substances? Well, the short answer to this really is any mental health mental health condition has the potential to be complicated or exacerbated by substances. Um, drugs affect each person differently, so it's hard to say to what extent will each drug impact someone's existing mental health condition. Um, um, sometimes you can you can see which person be more susceptible to you know based on their history and their you know traits things of that sort. For example, uh, ADHD. Uh, people with ADHD basically may be inclined to abuse drugs sometimes you know, or alcohol to make up for that lack of dopamine in their brain. So someone who's not aware or doesn't have that insight and has ADHD, many individuals, you know, may seek either caffeine or stimulant or some other drug because uh, they have that lower level of dopamine, that, that good feeling, that chemical that you need when people don't have, um, when it's not functioning properly in their brain. Also treating ADHD and substance abuse can be challenging because medications used to treat ADHD can also be habit forming. So Adderall, Ritalin, these are all stimulants. These are all um, uh, methamphetamine. Um, so basically, some of those can be very addictive as well. Um, but there are several other mental health conditions where people are more inclined to use substances to alleviate their mental health symptoms. Um, someone who's a borderline personality disorder, uh, bipolar, um, anyone experiencing psychotic features, anxiety and depression are usually that that candidate or that person in that, in that circle to really uh, more than likely sometimes step out and use something to self-medicate. I'm, uh, I'm so um, informative, the, the, the information that you've given us, Christian, really, really appreciate it. I, I almost skipped this question when I put this conversation together because it seems obvious to me, the answer, but it might not be so obvious to, to someone listening or someone watching. Mm -hmm. Do drug-induced mental health disorders really require treatment or is it as simple as stopping the drug use? And where I'm coming from there, if, if it's drug-induced, one might say, well, the drug is driving the mental health problem. So if I can stop the drug, I don't have to treat the mental health disorder. What's your take on that as a marriage and family therapist? Well, in terms of, you know, drug-induced mental health disorders, requiring that treatment and, you know, um, really considering, you know, is it as simple as, you know, one, you know, stopping the drug use, as, as we were talking about before, it's really coming down to, you know, what is the, um, the the existing issue? What is the underlying issue and which one is more prominent? So that's the first thing we want to do clinically in terms of, you know, um, uh, assessment. So you're looking to see if, if this person stopped using alcohol or if we got them to, you know, um, uh, wean off of alcohol for a while, do their symptoms decrease? So that's the first way to look at it. And then really medically supervised uh, detox, um, which, which is most of the time needed, when there is uh, some type of uh, addiction to where the uh, patient needs have more assistance. So, and detox would be the first, um, another component of, in, amongst group therapy and individual therapy, but um, it's really preventative when you're looking at um, 
detox. And more severe symptoms such as psychosis, you know, through the use of common medications or tapering off the substance, that's the, uh, that's the issue where you can't just quit cold turkey. So you have to sometimes take certain medications to help you help wing yourself off of um, certain drugs. And once the initial uh, detoxification is complete, then um, psychosis uh, should not be an issue. However, sometimes it is. So that's where you go back to the reassessment. Uh, however, you know, relapse is another thing that uh, should be talked about, too. And, and the necessity for another detox, you know, really can uh, increase the chances of psychosis, too. So it can uh, appear as a symptom uh, from, from withdrawing from that medication. Uh, so really, when we, when we look at it, so detox is the way to go, but there's also um, done an inpatient facility um, or outpatient program that has something called IOPs. It can be done in those situations as well. And we've got separate videos on the Brother Be Well platform talking about inpatient and outpatient facilities. So go to brotherbewell.com if you want to check out some detail on what Christian just shared there. Um, uh, appreciate that, Christian. Let me ask you about the treatment then for co-occurring drug abuse and mental health conditions. What does that actual, if you can, what do the nuts and bolts of that treatment look like? Well, you know, it's kind of, uh, when you're looking at one patient, it's sometimes different um, when you're trying to create a standard or create some type of uh, baseline for how it's going to be every time. So it can really look different for each person. But when referring to like culturally competent services. So you have, you know, uh, your standard services and you have culturally competent services too. It may look a little different. It also may involve more of a systems approach, meaning involving uh, the family and the others into treatment to educate them on their loved ones, their condition, the coping mechanisms, things of that sort. So that's when you're looking at more culturally competent treatment. Also, we're looking at engaging clients and providing a realistic picture of how treatment may look over the weeks and months too. So you're sitting people down and showing them, hey, you may be in a locked facility, you know, for the next, you know, um, eight weeks, and you may not have access to your cell phone, things of that sort. So these are uh, the step approach, you know, when you're really helping someone uh, transition them to therapy and treatment. Um, also using culture competent screening tools. So eventually you'll be screened, you know, taking a, um, maybe it could be like an alcohol assessment, um, a drug intake uh, assessment to see how often you're using to uh, really uh, work out your treatment plan. And then using, you know, that team, we're going to have a team of doctors and psychiatrists and psychologists, uh, therapists and, um, and counselors, you know, your, your substance abuse counselors. You may have a, um, um, uh, one of your family members come in and help you out. So you have several different components to it. And also uh, one area, one thing you want to do in the assessment part is assess for the motivation to change. So, um, if they're not motivated to change, you're really wasting your time in a sense because that first step is them having to step forward, be ready uh, to make a change and, and really assess if they're able to go through these steps or not. Really appreciate you walking us through all of that, Christian. It, it takes a village. You just described a village that helps someone get back healthy and get back on their feet and moving along with their life. Uh, the Brother Be Well family is a bit of a village, too, and I want to thank you for being a part of this conversation. Christian Jacobs marriage and family therapist and Brother Be Well clinical advisor. Thank you, sir, for being with us today. Thank you, Michael. I also want to thank our sponsor for this conversation, Blue Shield of California's Blue Sky Initiative. That initiative boosts access to mental health support. That initiative, in fact, uh, is sponsors all of the uh, Brother Be Well Parent and Caregiver series of videos and podcasts. So we want to thank uh, Blue Shield of California for that. You can learn all about that initiative at bluesky.blueshieldca.com. That's bluesky.blueshieldca.com. Another quick website I'll give you, keep it in mind as well, brotherbewell.com. If you like this video, go to that website. All kinds of videos similar to this one, audio podcasts, 
print pieces, incredible uh, stories, personal stories of strength and resilience. Every resource we can come up with that you need to be well is right at that website, brotherbewell.com. We're a membership supported service. So if you can join us as a member, that'd be great. But if you'd like to start out a little more slowly, give us your email address. You'll sign up for our blog and two or three times a week, you'll get notifications in your in your inbox about uh, videos and podcasts that go live just like this one. So again, that website, brotherbewell.com. My name again, Michael P. Coleman, content director for Brother Be Well, asking you to do two quick things for me. Take great care of yourself and then take great care of somebody else. Until next time, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Brother Be Well podcast. I'm Leon Guidry. Shout out to our sponsor, Blue Shield of California's Blue Sky Initiative. It takes a village, and we're doing our part to address and heal trauma while supporting parents and caregivers along the way. Thanks for stopping by, and remember, my brothers, be well. Be well.